So what we're doing is we're going through Isaiah 53 um, as a last sermon song. Um, and I, with anybody else, have been trying to memorize it, which has been quite the challenge um, because I have never memorized anything maybe quite this long before, let alone this complicated. Um, so if you can, I mean, some of you are reading through it. Um, if you can, if you're not memorizing, just, I would say, this week, have something to just keep yourself in 52, 13, through 53, 12, over and over and over and over again. Because as you read it, this so much encapsulates who Christ is and what he did for us. Um, and we're looking at this in terms of what we said was the atonement, um, which is really overall what, what Christ has done for us. So... Um, I'm up to, I'm up to here, <laughs> so I have a little bit of ways to go. Um, having looked at that now, I'm going, well, maybe I'm halfway through. It is hard, and I just keep every day, now I'm trying to write it, as opposed to just memorizing it in my head. Um, and what's interesting is, is what I'm seeing as I'm doing this, because I haven't done any like the scripture for song, but how I'm seeing and things I'm seeing that I would never catch, probably even citing it. Just a repetition of words, the way things are structured and stuff that just all of a sudden just sort of pop out to me. And I'm wondering if any of you have had that experience in any of this reading of this, any of looking at it, where there's something in here you go, wow, I've not quite seen that before in here. Have any of you guys had that experience? Yeah. <laughs> I just keep going back and reading through, and I'm going through one again right now, and yes, like crazy. And is there anything in here, though, in this passage, in Isaiah 53, or Saint 53, when it starts to 52, is there anything that you're seeing or anything that's popping out to you that you have seen, not seen at all? This is a side note. Can I share? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't opened my Bible app and. I don't know, months, uh-huh. probably, except at church, and I open it up, and it opens up to Isaiah 53, and I didn't mm. even have to <laughs> scroll to it. I'm serious. Okay. Right? Well, that's good. I mean, Isaiah there you go. 53, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit right now. Yeah, so, yeah. good. Good, that's a good freak out. That's a good message. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So you're it's asking if any passage in your research. Well, on this passage, so one of the things we've been doing is people have been reading this. No, this in this whole thing. Of any of the words, are there, as you're looking, is anything positive? In this particular passage, so this is the fourth sermon song. This is the main, um, so for you and Gil particularly, like one of the things we've been talking about as we've been going through this is that this is sort of the keystone, the... This is the passage that turns Old Testament to New Testament. It is a passage that defines the difference between a Jew and a Christian today um, as how they read this. This is sort of like the key passage in the New Testament that the New Testament looks back at and says, this is the servant that is what Israel should have been and wasn't, and God had to send the servant to be in the place of Israel, which is ultimately Jesus for us in Christ. Um, what so, was your question again? Well, my question is: so, as people have been reading through this, if you have, if any of you have been reading, it, I just keep inviting you to do this. If there's anything you see, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you my example. 
So for example, for example, one of the things that as I was memorizing this that, uh, that kept popping out of me, one of them was this right here. I thought this was really interesting. This one, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned. So a couple things popped out. Everyone, <laughs> I love how it does that, you know, that every person, okay, has turned. And it's also interesting, like I see here, all and all. All we, us all. You know, just trying in that passage to say what Jesus did is everybody. I mean, if you want to ever wonder if there's a verse for original sin, <laughs> I mean, this could be an example of that. All right. Um, Bruce, you were saying something before. Yeah, the, what popped out to me is just is the three places where it talks about his soul. His. Yeah, yeah, yeah down at the, I don't know. I'm at AFC. Over here, whose soul oh, okay. is it? Is it the speaker? Oh, right here. He has put him to grief when his soul. Yeah, and then uh, there's, there's three places that it talks about. And then out of his anguish of his soul, he shall see and be oh, satisfied. Huh, okay. And then down below, um, I can't read that. <laughs> Um, well, here's another, is that another, and he shall divide the best spoil. The, fourth the, the, the next one down. Soul and word out his soul. Word out, out soul. his soul. Thank you, guys. Again, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are rich. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Poured out his soul to death. Yeah. All right, good. Okay. All right. Anyone else? Just anything that you know, maybe uh, just, uh-huh. I'm only, like, in the first seven lines of memorizing and stuff, but... Um, when, when repeating for me, it's so hard to get it into my head because yeah. I just don't memorize that fast. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like each line, I call it a line. Each I, I, I will literally, like, won't even finish a verse. I'll just do a line, uh, maybe a, uh, a day, or, or focus on mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, when repeating something like that, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, or that he was marred, and I'm kind of saying that, that walking across to go back to the car or before I get in the car. I memorized Romans 12, the chapter Romans 12, and I would repeat that. You know, and it would grow line by line. Right. I would have a line a week, and I would just get each each line a week. It was like the, not the verse, but the line in the, in the right. as it was printed. Right. And um, and it would just accumulate. Uh huh. And before I'd get in the car in the morning, it's like I'd have to say it in order to engage the car. <laughs> and so, won't start with yeah, that. and it would be just little stuff to do like that. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but sometimes I kind of see myself as almost like an Orthodox Jew at the Wailing Wall, kind of like bowing to the wall, and because I'm repeating the same line in my head, I'm just repeating, repeating, right, and, until it's engaged in my gray matter, right, and then I can like sing it to myself. I can repeat it in the joy of knowing it. Mm-hmm. But it just takes work to memorize, almost like if you're doing a show. Right. You're memorizing lines. Yeah. And, and just do that. But there's, you know, the living meat that's there, such as he was marred uh, so far beyond human semblance. And it yeah. makes me think about that. Right, right. He was marred beyond human semblance. He was marred beyond, you know, it's like repeating. He was marred be. It just kind of really impacts you. Yeah. Yeah. I got one. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, it's two-thirds down in the first area. It's he had no form 
Yeah, he has no form. Yes, majesty um, that we should look at him, and yeah. no beauty that we should desire him. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's just awfully rich, and it also makes you think when Jesus said, you know, I came in my Father's name and you reject me, another will come in his own name and him you will worship. That's yeah. the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to look really good. Mm-hmm. Good point. Jesus is, really good not, point. Jesus is not looking good. Yeah. But and also as kind of a question, because that's a brief portion of Jesus' life when he was, I think, tortured and had the crown on, the crown of thorns. He yeah. was he was wiped out. But he was an attractive guy before that. Well, and that I mean, look at they worshipped him when he came into well, Jerusalem. Well, yeah, we, we we talked about that. The reality is, we really don't know how he looked, right? And the, and scripture is really explicit. What's interesting is scripture is explicit in not telling us what he looked like in the New Testament. What's fascinating is this is what tells us what he looked like, we would assume, as he goes to the cross, right? Um, I It makes me just, it, some of it, there's so much of how he looked in this passage, which is very unusual for Scripture. Scripture just usually does not say how anybody looks, and very rarely does, doesn't do that unless it has a point. You know, yeah. So. But it, it, it is only addressing the way he looks after the world had its way with him. Well, and uh, and it yeah, doesn't address anywhere else, even in the Old Testament. All it ever addresses is what he will be made of, what he will be about, what his character will yeah, be, right, the way he exactly. will behave, right. etc., etc. Which should be a really obvious thing for us humans to say. This is the way we need to think about human beings. And get, get out of yes. the determining, like, Very oh, point. how they physically appear. Yeah. How Very does good. God look at us? Which goes back to what Tom just said, too, which is what I think part of what we talked about the last say, couple of weeks. We want hot Jesus. Right. He was lifted up, right, by God, mm-hmm. all right, and exalted. And we talked last week about how we tried to do that ourselves. <laughs> and a lot of times the way we try to do that is by our looks. And I love what you said, Tom, which is, if you talk about the Antichrist, the Antichrist is not going to look like this. <laughs> okay, or act like that. Um, which tells us something also about, I guess, how we look at others, how we look at ourselves. Well, also, um, yeah. you know, the Antichrist is the man of sins, and so the sinful world likes that. Yeah. Because he's okay. going to represent them. And the line below that you uh, underline in red, they look at him, and yeah, they despise him, they reject him. Uh, Don't desire men him. hide their faces, so it's like the sinful world is like, ooh, I'm sinful, I'm not looking at you. Yeah. Because they knew he was from God. Yeah. He was. Yeah, but in the, foot, yeah. Yeah, in the footnotes underneath what he just said, it said, or as one who hides his face from us. Yeah. So are they saying Jesus hid his face from us? No, he's not saying Jesus. We hid our face from. We hid our. We hid our we face from. We hid our face from. We that look. Got you it. know, so, which which again, if you think about, you know, again, the, the movie The Passion by Mel Gibson is probably the one that gets a lot of this across. I mean, that's actually what one of his focuses. Um, but you, you know, you just you, you can't look. You want to turn your head. You don't want to see. You don't want to see the right side. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. As far as yeah, Peter. Yeah, just just on what we were talking, about, I think there's some clues on what Jesus looked like in in the Bible. Like um, at one point, 
the Jewish leaders said, you're not even 50, and you knew Moses, or Abraham? Abraham. Right, Abraham. Uh-huh. So he's not uh-huh. even 50, but he was like, obviously, he was 32. Right. So, you know, he might have <laughs> looked older. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, is when the guards, when the, um, when the soldiers went to get him in the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah. he had to be identified, right? Like, he... He wasn't. He didn't have any outstanding features that they could have easily picked him out by. You know, like it was. He was like Saul, and he was a head taller than everyone else. Yeah, and like look for the guy who's taller. Or he's also a nice guy. Yeah. I've never thought about it. That's it a good nice point. Time, that he, he, was like, he had he to be pointed out. And he, or yeah. even yeah, even when he was there, it's like Judas had to say, "It's the one who I kiss." Right. Yeah. Um, Which means even though he had been around and obviously had been to Jerusalem and been yeah. to Jerusalem and everything, yeah. it was he, he, like it just seemed like he was more common looking yeah. than well, like well, a very outstanding, either, distinguished. Either that or yeah. all the apostles were as hot as him. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else say that? No, yes. What I found interesting is, uh, you know, verse 14, if you read it without the dash marks, right, so you don't get into the actual appearance so of the So which one's 14? Is this 13, 14? Uh, 52, 14. So what, you, what just struck what me? What does it start with? Uh, it starts with, as many were astonished. Yeah, there we go. Okay, got you. All right. You know, I'm sure in the original text, there's no punctuation, there's no right. you know, there is for not. us to divide it up and all that. But right. what I find interesting is, you know, both in... Uh, you know, my, uh, my NIV and, and the ESV here is they do almost like hash marks that says, as many were astonished at you, you know, dash, his appearance was marred, etc. right? If you remove actually his appearance was marred, it's kind of an interesting thing that happens. It says, as many were astonished at you, um, so shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths because of him. Oh. For that which has not been told them they see, and which they have not heard they understand. So this uh. appearance of who Jesus is is almost like secondary, because yeah. he was, is, and will ever be. Huh. And so it's like, you know, all, they almost have a side note to say, hey, by the way, you kind of ruined him, you know, his physical appearance, but everything else has been absolutely understood without even seeing him because of what's going on. Interesting. I just found that kind of interesting. Yeah, you gotta pick him up. We get so focused on the Mari, which is very important because of the you know the crucifixion, but it's like, man, he's he's saying it all. Right. Everybody yeah. now understands. Good. Um, anybody remember what word this is? I just wanna just throw this out again. What word is this? Adam. Adam. I see if I Good. This is actually the word Adam. The exact same Adam, the exact same word of Adam in Genesis um, 2 and 3, um, which is also in Genesis 1, used in a different way. So when God created, when God created us in his image, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to remember. Anyway, Adam is used of a single man, the original Adam. It's, it's used of mankind in general, too. Um, so that's why this one here is obviously using that sense of mankind, which makes sense because you've got the first Adam and the second Adam. First Adam is who we all are part of, and you have Jesus being the second Adam. Um, where does it say? Where does it say that? I mean, I've heard that story. about the second Adam. Yeah, anybody remember where that? Where is that? Romans, Romans. I think. Romans. Okay. Okay. I think it's in Romans. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, one of the things that we did, so 
Can I say one? Yes. Word, uh-huh. A word sure. that you're playing with words right there, mm-hmm. and and this um, um, King, uh, King James it says um, sprinkle there. Yes. Startle. Yes. <laughs> it uh, and it gets that. translated those. Yes, we did. That those yes, get translated to two different words. The words I just go to next because what we looked at last week is what do we know about? The startle makes sense. Sprinkle doesn't. Yeah. Does not. I know, but but when you look at what the yes, Hebrew word, right. so last yes. yeah, good. Yeah. So last week we looked at that word, which uh, I think is a direct reference because it's only used, I think, maybe twice. Um, very little, little in the Old Testament. Anybody remember what sprinkle? What is what is startle? When they read that. When they read that word, what did we learn last week that a Jew is going to go, Ding! and where is he going to go back to? Leviticus. It's going to go back to Leviticus. Blood on the mercy seat. Exactly. The Ark of the Covenant. So in Leviticus, what was it? Was uh, it 16? 10, 16, 16 verses 6 yeah. through 14. So in Leviticus, this is referring to the sacrificial rite of sprinkling the sacrifice it would happen that the priests would go into the Holy of Holies and they would sprinkle, take the blood that is a, that represents the sacrifice and sprinkle that unto the mercy seat. Mercy seat. It's the mercy seat. Yeah. Which is basically offering to God that sacrifice. And so here you see a mm-hmm. reference, which you don't see this used anywhere else in the Old Testament other than in the Levitical system, the cultic system. Right. Here... When a Jew's reading that, it's like, okay, whoa, this, this, he sprinkles, so somehow is this, you could say, is this person showing that he's going to be a sacrifice for all the nations? You know, you sort of get this sort of illusion. A lot of this is illusion. They're trying to point back to who is Jesus. Was the scapegoat before the Holy of Holies? Before they had the temple system? It was... Declared it was part of, yeah, part of the whole Levitical system. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And where? Okay, so for those of you who weren't here before, so just a reminder: what are we trying to do here with Isaiah 53? Is we're using Isaiah 53 to talk about the subject of atonement. Mm-hmm. Okay, which we could spend way too long and get too geeked out on. I mean, there's just so much about atonement. That's what we're trying to do is use Isaiah 53 to sort of see the aspects of atonement. One aspect of atonement is sacrifice, that Christ sacrificed himself, all right, that there was a sacrifice that had to be done. So that's that's one aspect of atonement is sacrifice. So that's what we looked at last week. What other parts... I sent him my email today. <laughs> Tried to play S's. If you remember other parts of what atonement, so there's there's the idea of a sacrifice that has to be made. Sanctification. No, not sanctification. <laughs> it started with an S, too. You know, from your email? Yeah. <laughs> so I tried to do an essence. I'm looking up the email. And not to say I'm all encompassing yeah, atonement I'm here, but sacrifice, um, satisfaction. Substitution, satisfaction, suffering. Yes, substitution. Oh. Um, and those are probably the three ones that I have suffering here. So when you think of the word atonement and 
Peter, you can help me out if I sort of pretend that you read the book and stuff from before. But when you look at what happened with the atonement, what did Christ... So we said atonement is what he did on the cross. Not the result of what he did, but what he did on the cross. The result of it is we are justified. The result of it is we are made righteous. The result of it is we are reconciled. We are saved. Those are all the results. But what we're seeing, looking at here is what is it he did on the cross that made that those things happen? Why are we saved today? He substituted for us. Right. Okay, so that's one. One of the things why is because he was not just a sacrifice for us, but he was did something in place. Took the place of us. Took the place of us. Huge part of atonement. Okay. Satisfaction... Anybody want to guess what that is? Satisfaction is, and this is where a lot of people try to get into controversy here, satisfaction means that Christ had to do something on the cross that, that in a sense, appeased or paid the price of... Satisfied God's Go ahead. demand for justice. Exactly. Say that again, so I won't hear you. Satisfied God's demand for justice. Right, exactly. All right. Because of us violating that through sin, right? So there had to be some justice, some, how do we take God's wrath and erase it so we're no longer under God's wrath, all right? Um, and suffering is really sort of an additional one I add here because suffering is that he, he suffered in our place, so we don't have to from that point. Yeah, Tom? Was that the satisfaction with you? Yeah. 
And that's what we were talking about last week. Yes. About. You know, because I was trying to... <laughs> I know, I know, I know, exactly. Well, see, all this goes back to Isaiah 1. Yeah, well, it does. Yeah. <laughs> so, going back to what he just said there, and that was the word what that we were talking about last week. Right here, marred. If you remember, that word goes back to Leviticus. It talks about how the sacrifice is only to be an unblemished animal. Uh, which him and I were going back and forth about that. I would definitely agree that in no way is was Jesus in, in sin at all. Okay, but what is interesting is I guess I get from this. This is me, this great own little thing. Is when you read about what he looked like and the just terrible things he went through on the cross. There's no way from a human perspective that would be someone you could offer as a sacrifice because they're so marred, right? And yet, I mean, I think that's where Satan gets tricked. The Romans get tricked. The Jews get tricked. The world gets tricked. Because here's this guy on the cross, stripped completely of all the humanity, and ends up being the one saving us. Saving humanity. Yeah. Well, what else, so, what else was this, would a sacrifice look like? What would the sacrificed animals look like after they were sacrificed? Or, or oh, like, good when point. they were being sacrificed, good what point. would they look like? Yeah. They'd be full of blood. They would be, they would, they would be like cut to pieces into, you know. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, the, the part of the sacrificial process is the marring of the, the, the animal, right? Because you can't, yeah, you can't have a sacrifice without the blood. You can't have blood without marring. <laughs> you know? so, Good point. Like, at what point do you just say we're sacrificing at this point? And you know, it was good. Now it's dead and marred. Yeah. 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 Good. And some of the sacrifices too were I mean they're cutting out the liver and the kidneys and the fatty part for God. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean they're pretty marred and what you can eat and what you can't and yeah. Yeah. What you burn and what you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but before the sacrifice, the lambs or whatever they're offering were examined by the priest to see if they were absolutely perfect. Yeah, exactly. If they were marred in any way, had a flaw in it, discolored fur, they were rejected. So Jesus is like that. He was super pure going in. Right. Sinless. Yeah, like sinless. physically, right? As well as, as well sinless. as like sinless, yeah. but like physically too. He had no physical oh, well, defects. Would you that's, say that? I, that's, I, I, never heard that. Of, I never heard <laughs> of him stubbing his toe. <laughs> Can't find the scars on us. How many of us have scars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Numerous uh, is the scars. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so what I want to do tonight, so we can sort of finish, well, finish off a lot of what we're doing with Isaiah 53, is I want us to go through here now and think about these, so I wrote up here, for us to think about where we, you know, there's a lot of other places and things you can talk about with atonement, but where in Isaiah 53 do we see this idea of atonement, of what Jesus did on the cross, again, specifically, where do we see that in here? Which in some ways is everywhere. Okay. But what, as we're reading through here, what aspects do we see? I guess what I'm looking at around like this. Okay. Because if you were, if someone was to say to you, well, we talk about this like with the Jews. If someone was to say, well, what did Jesus do on the cross? Obviously we could go to the New Testament and read a lot. Okay. What's fascinating about Isaiah 53 is that Isaiah 53 is a place you can go 
to say, here's what he did on the cross for us. Um, that then the New Testament picks up and sees. Which again shows prophetically, right? How did this passage hundreds of years before Christ prophesize what he did? Not only just what he looked like, but what did he do? You know, what he went through physically. All right. What, you, what are you asking? Well, you want us to find atonement? Well, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to just walk through. Are you saying atonement is synonymous with those three S's down there? Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. So, um, let's see. Let's see. So I'm going to do orange. Will we sacrifice? If we see anything about the satisfaction aspect, we'll make it blue. If we see anything about the substitution aspect, we'll make it green. And suffering, we just suffer. Okay. How about submission? Well, submit. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Although I'm not sure if sub. Well, yeah, ultimately, I guess, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to, uh, yeah, I would agree. So, I mean, that could be another aspect we could look at is some is submission. Okay. So I want you to think about this. So we just read through. We're just going to read through. And I want you to, so even that, what are you seeing around what Christ did on the cross as we read through this? How is this showing that? So if someone had came up to you, or I'm going to say, like, even like you said last week, if a Jew comes up and says, Isaiah 53, that has nothing to do with Jesus. <laughs> How would you argue that? All right, because it's like, hey, you're writing your scriptures. Yep. Here it is, as to who he did. Um, all right, let's not let's hold off on this one right now. We said last week that this is in essence sort of the, or the last couple of weeks. This is like a summary statement of what happened for the whole passage. Um, so. As many were astonished at you, and its appearance was so marred, so we said that was really sort of the sacrifice, beyond human semblance, as formed beyond that of the children of mankind, so he shall sprinkle, we went through last week, sprinkle being a sacrificial word, many nations, he shall shut their mouths because of them, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Okay, Isaiah people that we've been going through now for so long. What does that make you remember? What does that remind you of? Isaiah chapter 6. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. How have we said that over and over and over again? This is Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. One of the key, key passages that Jesus talks about that we have in Isaiah is will people see the nations, but not Israel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Israel. Yeah, yeah. Ironic. Yeah. <clears throat> um, should shut their mouths because for that which has not been told them they see, that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up. You guys can stop me with this book. So, for he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, does that any mean anything to you guys when you hear that? Yeah. Like a root out of dry ground. You mean a, a scripture? Yeah. Any scriptures come to mind when you think of that? There's a, there's a, a, there's a, there's a lot of ground <laughs> references and in, in into Isaiah. roots and so yeah, I think the root out of the, the root out of Jesse is that? 
Yeah, yeah, this one. And I know we saw that in Isaiah too about the roots coming out of the um, stump. The stump and then the root grew. Yeah. Out of the stump. yeah. And out of dry ground. Right. So it's out of, what's the dry ground mean? That's, that's the, the, the nation of Israel. Could it? As well as the, um, it's also referencing the, the, the land and so forth that is impure at that point. There's, there's a bunch of, I've been doing a lot of Hebrew study. <laughs> and the way they use the, the word for, for land. For I was thinking land. when I saw that it might mean that there would, had been no prophet or, or word of God preached in Israel. Because it's so dry. Years. Yeah, that's, yeah, that good. Yeah, well, all of that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, good. So, well, and it's again, it's the irony, like a root out of dry ground. Like a, a, a root can't grow out of dry ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. unless huh. it has some help. Yeah, good. So we're just think of anything as we go along. So um, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Why is this? Why is that important, do you think? A man of sorrows and acquainted by grief, and how do you think that maybe gets used in the New Testament? Why is why would we want to know this? Painful for him. Yeah. Oh, when he cried uh, over Jerusalem. Okay. All right. Well, well, he's he's God. What? Yeah, he's God, but I mean, it just. And that's yeah, a, man, a man of sorrows that acquainted with grief yeah. is he's born into the people that he has chosen who have rejected him. Uh-huh. It was it was predetermined they're gonna reject he knew they were gonna reject uh, him. Okay. He's been rejected. So certainly coming back into it, he knew it was gonna go on. Alright. What else? For anybody else, can you guys think of why why is it important? We know this about Jesus. We, we, we have a high priest that can commiserate. Yeah, very good. So in Hebrews, you know, when you're talking about, you know, people say what they're going through in their lives, I mean, ultimately, we're saying, hey, Christ, you know, we say this to people, right? Even pastoral, you're talking to a friend, someone said this to you. Whatever you're going through, he's already been through that. Mm-hmm. And so much and more. So. All right? Exactly. All right, and this sort of shows us here. I mean, this is someone who Jesus is. A lot of times, people look at him. He's God. He's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't experience any of this type of stuff. And yet, what we see here is, yeah, he took upon the sorrow and the grief and everything of all of humankind. So, as you're trying to think about how does Jesus, how can I talk to this guy? Does he even relate to me? You know, he's the high priest now, sitting you know at the right hand of God. Well. We can, he intercedes for us. He has experienced all this. All right. He's gone through all this. Anything that we've gone through, <laughs> yeah, even, even more. Right. Can I ask you a quick question, uh-huh. sideline? It, it ties into this, yeah. potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you spell Torah? T O R A H. T O R A H. Yeah. Say it again. T O R A H, which is often translated as teaching. Or law, so that when you see the word law in, in uh, Old Testament, a lot of times it's Torah. Teaching is also translated as the Torah. Mm-hmm. 
So Torah, and Torah a lot of times can mean the first five books of scripture, mm-hmm. but it also can mean any kind of teaching. Of in, I mean, in some ways you can look at the whole testament saying that's the whole Torah, the whole teaching of God. Alright. Uh, a man of sorrows acquainted with Greek as one from whom men hide their faces. I, I'm struck, you guys were saying this earlier before, but the shame, I guess maybe that's what I'm thinking about. Just the, the amount of sort of guilt that should I say shame? How many? How much everyone rejected him? You know, and I think a lot of times when I was trying to memorize this, I think of, you know, pastorally, you hit so many people who just are consumed by shame, consumed by guilt, consumed by, you know, how others look at them or how they feel about themselves. And I think what's interesting is, as you read all this, you look, here is a Christ who can really understand that. Someone who was just rejected by everybody, um, despised by everybody. Um, I don't think there's too many people. Can you even think of anybody you would know that even comes close to these descriptions? <laughs> yeah. D- despised is harsh. And yeah. It's like twice. It's uh-huh. twice. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, that, I'm glad you said that because that was one that I noticed too here. He was despised, and then it says he was despised again. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing I noticed is there this repeating of, of this happens in Isaiah 53. Yeah, it's like, I wonder if he was despised or not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Surely. <laughs> All right. Now we get to sort of a different one. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. Smitten by God, just look at this whole thing here, and afflicted. Whoa. <laughs> so. That sentence, it's hard to make sense because the yet is, is contrary and they, the two phrases really don't go together. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Surely. Only for a small line, they don't. Yeah, he, yeah, that's interesting. Surely. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Oh, well, okay. You hear what Tom said? What do you guys think about that? How do those two sentences, surely and the yet, go together? I, I think. I think it's. I think it's that it's misunderstood. Like what what he hmm. did was misunderstood because you know when when uh, when the um, Pharisees were mocking him when he was on the Christ, it's like he saved others. Let him let him save himself, right? Otherwise, he's like cursed by God, right? Yeah. If if, if yeah. he can't, so then and and anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Very good. Yeah. You remember that passage? Any of the same tree is cursed, right? So this is you know surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's what he did. Yeah. But it was. But how does it appear? Yeah. It's like. Yeah. But the but the way that it was seen was like he. Um, yeah. He was. Yeah. Well, and look at what it says okay, right so you're there. saying you, you substitute the word esteemed with saw. Well, no. Does that then it make sense what you're saying? No, because look at what he says right above there. He was he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Yeah. What we did esteem him as was stricken. It's the, that's used specifically. That was as high as we gave him. Was the fact that he was stricken by God. That's the that is. Further 
shaming, basically. Yeah, so look, and, I mean, and, and yeah. who's, who's we in this particular situation? Yeah. Is, it, is, is it, uh, well, I guess yeah. it's gonna be the whole world. Well, well it also is, but that's what's so confusing. We here, right? him yeah. Yeah. Yes, man, my God, because if that was said of Israel because they missed it, it's like, yeah. yeah, you missed it because you esteemed him stricken and smitten by God. And so you, you didn't count him as the Messiah because of that. Right? So there's, right. there's two... Yeah, go ahead, Bruce. Smitten has two meanings. Smitten can be, you know, despised, or smitten can be, if you're smitten with somebody, you can be in love with. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think here it's probably the first one. Yeah, okay, but I mean, it, it's there's a dual meaning there. I totally. Smitten, smitten is like uh, is like hit, right? Yes, it's, it's receive it's, a blow. Yeah, to receive a blow, right? Huh. Okay. Yeah, all right, a firm blow. Yeah, no, not just any. So this is another key passage. So this, so what do you think this part, this first part? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. What word is that over there? Which which one? Suffering. Suffer. Suffer. Sacrifice. Suffer. Substitution. And, and yeah. substitution. Exactly. And satisfy all, all of them, actually. Born our griefs. So born our griefs and carried our sorrows would be substitution, right? He took upon that. And again, things That's just even as you guys talk to people, and anything going through something, be suffering. Yeah. yeah, that that whole suffering substitution part is so huge about what Christ did for us. Yeah, the born our griefs is also the sacrifice. Yeah, well, it is right. In fact, that word I believe that's one of the words that we said was part of the part of the sacrificial system. But here again, you go, well, what did Christ do for me? <laughs> What if you're trying to tell that to someone else? What did Christ do for you? Whether you're witnessing to someone or someone's just going through, I mean, I've just seen so many of us as Christians, so many people with everything that's gone on the last few years, grieving, um, sorrowful. I mean, all this stuff, and it's like He took that on for us. You know, he took all that, so we don't have to experience that. Um, I think that's that's a part of again, what has he done for us? Um, we would be stuck with that forever unless he did take that. Right, right. And yet, well, what do we do? Is a lot of times don't we live our lives as if we forget that he's done this for us, <laughs> and we keep carrying all the stuff that he's taken off of us? Guilt, grief, and sorrow. Yeah, how much do we carry uh, put on us that we shouldn't be putting on us because he's already he's done paid the, the price. He's already taken that off for us. And yet we keep putting all the stuff on us. I mean, it's interesting because yeah. you know, the author is almost putting you know, putting everyone in the category, including himself, right? And he's saying, hey, we all know what he did, but we're all just idiots anyway. Let's keep going, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, we know he did that. We all agree, that. right? So right. let's keep jumping off the cliff, right? Right, right. Yeah, good, good point. Good point, Brian. Yeah, they're, they're really crazy. Yeah, just so the fact that this is Isaiah. Yeah. Surely, I love the the, ten, the timing of, of everything, and it's like, yeah. How does how does a Jew not read that 
or any of us, and and go, wait a minute, this was written then about something that was played out to the T. So, so this gets to an argument that is used, both people try to use this against Jesus, or against, did, what did he do on the cross, or was the cross even necessary? And what's used a lot with that is this idea that, that it's not just, that he didn't just suffer with us, okay? So you can think, oh yeah, Jesus suffered like us, he suffered with us, but it's that he suffered or for us. And that's one of the key things you'll see in this Isaiah 53 passage. This is what he has done for us. Okay. And it's just this constant idea of he's taken upon this. That's part of atonement. He's taken upon all this stuff on him for us. He has suffered for us. He has borne our griefs for us. He's taken upon sin for us. It's just that you will see this echo throughout over and over again. Someone says, why do we need Jesus? What did Jesus do on the cross? <laughs> That's why I'm finding how valuable I know how much I'll get it all memorized. But it's just like I'm getting this into me. I'm just going, oh my gosh. And remembering, like, this is what he really did. <laughs> you know. All right. Continuing on. But he was... Can I, okay. can I shoot, yes. shoot uh-huh. something else? Sure. Maybe you covered this in an earlier study, but um, the first... The three verses mm-hmm. are God speaking. And then in chapter 53, verse 1, with who? It's man speaking. It's the prophet speaking about us. Man. Right? Yeah. Behold my servant. That's God saying. That Behold is God servant. speaking. You're right. Exactly. Okay. And you see in here, this is poetry, by the way. I mean, the, the form of this is poetry. All right. And so what you're seeing here in, in, in poetry is you do have both the fact that there it's pretty obvious this is God speaking. Okay, and this is like I, I said um, when we first opened up this whole thing, was this is almost like Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he goes and tells you how he created the heavens and the earth. This is like God saying, behold, this is my servant, and now he's going to go and tell you what it took. <laughs> For him to be that servant that God then lifts up. And then he speaks to Jesus. And then so I don't know what you're saying. As many were astonished at you. Then he, then he jumps in as referencing Christ directly. And then jumps back in. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. So going on. So notice again. What is he doing for us? So we have that here, and notice how that continues. But he was pierced for our transgressions. transgressions. Okay. Again, he did this for us. He was crushed. And when you think of crushed, (laughs) when you guys think he was crushed for our iniquities, I mean, there's an example of, like, the punishment he took upon for us. I mean, he was crushed. The pain, the the punishment. No, the literal physical crushing. Your lungs lungs eventually collapse your lungs. Yeah. And you suffocate a hideous 
So upon him, so you, this whole thing. Now this is, upon him was the chastisement. So these are all the things he did for us. And what is the result of that? With a suffering of satisfaction. Brought peace, right. Yeah, I'm with satisfaction. Yeah, so. There's suffering and satisfaction in both of those. Exactly. And the result is that how does he, what's the result of what he's done by taking upon all of this? Brought us peace. Brought us peace. Which peace is which word? You guys should know that in Hebrew. Shalom. 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 <laughs> <laughs> One of the first Hebrew words you learn. Shalom. Shalom. There is shalom. Which really means not just peace like we think peace in the world, but yeah, Tom, what are you going to say? No, no. no, go ahead. You remember what? <laughs> Harmony. Yeah. Like it just sets everything, the world back right again. The whole world's got screwed up, and shalom is setting everything back right. But to be set right, this has to happen. He had to go through this. The crushed aspect, you know, in addition to the indescribable physicality, it's like uh, the abandonment right. from his father. I mean, he was so alone. That, that, that emotional, he was a human being. Yeah. To be so cut off, uh, there had to have been such crushing from that impact. Right. And this is, I mean, getting back to being sort of trying to be practical here. When you realize this is what Christ did, when you're feeling that, you know, when you're experiencing that, like, grief or the sorrows or the fact that, man, I just screwed up again, all right, and you try to put all the guilt and everything on you for it, which mostly would just drive you right back into continuing sin, all right, this is great to remember this, that he's, again... He's already paid this price, but we don't, we want to keep holding into it. But I mean, this is practical. How do we get through every day? He's done all this stuff for us. <laughs> Why are we experiencing fear when we should be experiencing peace? <laughs> yeah. Alright. Um, another example. So here you see what he's done for us. Another thing, again, this gets the whole thing of Including all of us again? All. How many? All. You know, someone says again, well, we're all just good, and we never sin. I mean, and, you know, there's no real sin in the world, and I'm a good person, uh, I'm a good person and, you know, I'm doing the best that I can, and, it, you know, and again, we hear that all the time. The world says that to us. Here, again, it reminds us, every single one of us, have got us for G.K. Chesterton says the original original sin is the only um, Christian doctrine that can really be proved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just look at history. Look at history, look at our lives, yeah. look at the exactly. world. Look at, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why did we need a savior? Do we need a savior? Yeah. Anybody else see anything in there? Anything else strike you in there? Yeah, the astray is interesting to me. Just thinking out loud that um, we think of sin, but what he's saying there really is you're you're going down the wrong road, which which is sin. But I'm uh-huh. thinking of the wide road versus the narrow, narrow. road, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like all the sheep are just a herd, just going the wrong way. Yeah, 
You know, right. God's saying, all of you are quite the wrong, wrong way. way. Right. And you think of some guy who lives on the coast, he's got a billion, and he's really proud of himself. And right. he, if you told him, you know, you, you've gone astray, he'd he just go, what? You have no idea how cool I am. Exactly. That's right. I have, I have friends that, like that. I just wouldn't trade positions with you. No way. Yeah. I know a bunch. Too. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the A category yeah. Coastal Orange County. Um, so then again, now here you start seeing again some of that suffering going on. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And, I, and this is interesting to hear. And you guys remember this when you think about what, how Jesus responded when he was accused? With Pilate. All right? Exactly. Here you see it right here. Okay? Hundreds of years before. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that before shears is silent. So that's just what strikes me. You got the, what? The silence. He did not open his mouth. Um, so he opened not his mouth. Again, says it again. Um, by his oppression and judgment, he was... What was it? So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you read that, and you read what happened in the New Testament. Whew. So that, like, that reminds me of something that I've wondered about, and I still do, is like the cart before the horse, the horse before the cart, the, how prophecy and inaction of prophecy, you think of Jesus, okay, Jesus is being questioned by Pilate, do you, have, do you know I can put you to death? Why don't you speak? And Jesus is thinking, Isaiah, Isaiah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk. <laughs> or like he, you know, coming in Jerusalem, he says, go find a donkey. It'll be, you know, I'm going to write in on a donkey. Well, that was prophesied. So he knew that prophecy. So he's fulfilling. I, I know. Well, he knows, he, says, he knows the he scripture, says, so he's fulfilling the scripture. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting how, and it says this in Galatians, and we saw this in John when we were looking at one of these passages here. The scripture talks in the way like, and I don't know if you that came around, my brain around this, how scripture, like just exactly what you're saying, is foretelling itself before it's told and then be, brings across that actual fulfillment of that at the same time. It's like, it's just like... Unravel that. Yeah, I, I still can't get my whole mind around that. But when, it's like when we were saying Jesus, we find out in John, is actually the one speaking that Isaiah is talking to and encountering in Isaiah 6. <laughs> and John tells us that was him back then. It just, yeah, you just see this intertwining of scripture and you go, there is nothing else like this mm-hmm. in the world. Nothing. But if you're a cynic, and let's say you're a Jew, yeah, and you, you, you knew all this, what we're talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. the cynical Jew would go, this guy was good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he read up on our scriptures. He knew all the and just sort of like, He yeah. was playing the Messiah, and he played it to the T. Boy, did he follow the script! Yeah, he got lucky enough to get himself crucified on Passover. <laughs> yeah, who does that? Yeah, <laughs> it was all conspiracy yeah. theory, yeah. you know, that he figured out. <laughs> you know, talk to the Romans. Yeah, talk about a long shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, what's the probability? That even if you tried, you couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. even if it was like kind of, you know, people 
try to pencil it after the fact. It's like, no, you can't because you need to be born in this place at this time. It was all verifiable yeah. stuff. And that's why, again, this is what I love about it. I'm seeing with Isaiah 53, again, it's another thing, like if you're talking to an unbeliever and trying to, and they're trying to argue with you or they're trying to say, well, who was this Jesus and what did he do? You go back and forth between these passages and you go, look, I mean, hundreds of years before, look at what he did and then this happened. Yep. You know, Greg, um, going and, through this, it's it's unbelievable that Jewish people can say this is about Israel. I know. It's it's. But that is what they say. Unbelievable. That right. that's what they say. So they say we are the ones. So in this passage, they're saying the Messiah could not have done this. So they're trying to say Israel is going to have to go through this. As a people. Going to? Or like it's still yet future? Well, if, if they were looking today back at this, they would either say it's, they're going to still go through it, or they went through it back then. Well, they we sure went through it back yeah. then. Yeah. They were in purgatory for 2,000 years. <laughs> they were all scattered all over the world. And, right, okay, so they're going to look at that totally kind of stuff and say, smashed. we're the ones who have taken upon this, but it, yeah, as we so, read so it. Is that, would that answer also the question, I, when I'm a kid, right, and you're watching all this stuff on the Holocaust and everything, and, like right. going, and you're seeing the films and stuff, and you're going, there's three guys with machine guns and like a thousand Jews. What are you guys doing? Maybe a hundred of you get taken out, but just run them over. Why don't they fight? They just, they submitted. Maybe, maybe that played into it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, I mean, I, there's a good, there's a good this is all in the first person. So you guys, he, 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 right. he, it's not like a nation. And it is nation. singular here, it is singular so here. So you, you guys seriously go back and read one, okay? And keywords like oppression. And we're going to go back to one probably in two weeks, so yeah. Okay. okay. Remember words like the way that he, so he opened out his mouth. First of all, his mouth. The mouth of Christ. What is that? The oppression and judgment. These key words that are used to put him in this position. Right? To create him as the sacrifice. And when you go back and look at this, and especially when we, in Isaiah and things that Jesus said, we look at the Hebrew. Right, that's who was being addressed, and those those Hebrew words for these things. It, like I'm going through this, and there's words like right. like the word good, for well, example. And, that's and a all link. Here that is and, too, oh my right. gosh, yeah. And we don't totally realize that when we're reading this, they right. will pick all that up. So, yep. all right. So continuing on, um, as for his generation, considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living. Um, and that cut off out of the yeah. land of the living. What's that remind you of? It all comes back. Yeah. yeah, and the scapegoat. Yeah. Remember we talked about how the scapegoat was thrown out of the gates? Um, that almost forsaken. Sort of, you know, or what? Forsaken. Yeah. Okay. To forsake. Stricken for the transgressions of my people. That's interesting there. Just bigger the argument again. So here it says my people. So my people would be Israel, right? So here's how can... Here we're saying there's a person who's did this for my people, but you're trying to say you're my people. I don't even know how they would do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Y
yeah. self-referential. Yeah, I've never thought thought that before. Can but we go back to he was cut off? Yes. Nope. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> because I want to go back to it. Okay. <laughs> and this brings up what Bruce had brought up earlier regarding the soul, which, which again, to me, this is, this of the crucifixion, this is the part that has always been super mysterious to me, which is, he was cut off out of the land of the living. Now, cut off means he was forsaken. What is it that he uttered on the cross that I never quite got? No. Father, why have you forsaken me? Okay, now, what that, the land of the living, okay, what land means in Hebrew in this regard, okay, is the entire world under the dominion of God, okay? And that is what the Jews identified themselves that was the biggest part of that. Is there land? Because, and and the, that would be the proof of the promise coming true. Not just their land, the entire world. Okay? So, when he is cut off, when he is forsaken, so there's only one way that that would happen, is if he, and from the land of the living, he was numbered with the transgressors. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that... To me, looks pretty clearly like he descended. Could what they talk about descending to hell? Yeah. 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 What were you going to say, Peter? Well, I was I was trying to look up the Hebrew word for cut off because in Daniel chapter nine, um, the same it says, after sixty-two weeks, the anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing, and the people of the prince. So it, it says, forsake is a word called azab. A, pronounced Azab. Um, to abandon, to leave, to forsake, to lose. It's, um, I've studied Isaiah 9 a lot, and it means to die. Right? Mm. It, it means oh, okay. to die. All right, yeah. Um, I was trying to look to see if it was the same Hebrew word. I don't know if it is, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think of Daniel chapter 9. Okay. But does that mean the your soul dies, or does that mean you just physically die? They're going to death. Well, which you bring up a good point, Daniel, too, just so you guys know, when you see this word soul here, don't think of the Greek term of, like, soul is separate from body and mind. That's Greek thinking. Hebrew, this is all, this is nephesh, I believe. This is all, it just really means our whole being. Right. You know, right. it's not like a piece of our being, like the right. Greek thing, Plato and stuff. This is right. actually just really means this is this the, the entirety, his soul right. to death. Mm-hmm. Can I read verse that verse four cut off? Um, verse four in, in, uh-huh. in the King's James. Oh yeah, okay. Because it adds a pretty amazing couple of words. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God mm-hmm. and afflicted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who took him down? God did. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which actually brings up another good point. And that's so, right in this translation. And this is another thing that happens today. People argue so people argue like, oh my gosh, this is child abuse, you know, like the father child abuse of their son. And what they don't realize here goes back to what just Tom said here. Who is the one who's doing all this? 
Christ is freely giving himself up, up for this. I mean, there's no sense of, it's just ridiculous. There's a lot of, in the progressive movement and stuff, a lot of this trying to cut down what actually really happened to Jason just pointed out to me I made a mistake, because I, I was looking at that. And you really, going back over here. Yeah, and it yeah. was in this translation here. Like, yeah. So sorry. So, I mean, that's what's really key is, this is also really good for us to just get down the core of this is our faith. I mean, this, Isaiah 53, this is the core. Mm-hmm. Okay, you start trying to strip this away, you start taking away what Christ did on the cross. Yeah. So if, if people are arguing that it's, what is it again? Like, like, like saying that, oh my gosh, there's no way that God would have done this to his son and this child abuse. and yeah. It's using... Well, then you believe that you right. believe there is a God and that he's the father of Jesus. Then. So in that sense, they believe... But then what they want to do is they want to take away all this atonement. They want to take away all the suffering. They want to take away all this, and you take it away. What does there have to be the blood? Yeah, right, okay, but you do. You will hear a lot of this stuff. That's why I'm going through this in part two. You will hear a lot of the stuff that you should sort of go, bing, like, wait a minute. That's taking away what is very, what what we're seeing now. They're taking away the core. Take away the core of our faith. Exactly. Well said. Cool. Yeah, this is the core. <laughs> yeah. So, does that did I answer your? No, no, it, it, it absolutely does. I'm trying to separate them. Yeah. yeah. So, when it's smitten by God, and Jesus Himself knew this prophecy, so why would Jesus on the cross say, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Because He He knew that right there. Yeah. Well, and that's smitten by God. Because it'd be, it'd, well, it'd be like getting, you know, he's all God, I know you're gonna punch my face. Okay, go. And it really hurts, and you go, ow! <laughs> right? Maybe it was just a, an actual, ex, like, wow, this is, hurts a lot more than I thought it would. Well, and well, I've heard, also, I think it gets down to here, when you have all the stuff about how he just took upon all of humanity on him. So these words he's saying, he's speaking the Psalms, which actually... He is the one who originally wrote those, those right. psalms. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm, the word of God. Psalm 22. Yeah, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken right. me? And then it talks, and then it, so he's pointing to that prophecy. And, and he's also pointing to this, in which case, once again, that guy's good. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Keeps up the accent. But also, I've heard, you yeah. know, like in sermons, that, that they, 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 they spin that when he says, why have you forsaken me? That's when God turned his face from his son because he put all the sin on him. And the curse went on, and the God couldn't look at him. Yeah. And Jesus felt that estranged. That's just right. Uh, yeah. right. And I've heard, and I don't. I mean, I think maybe all of this is part of that. I, I think I we don't really know exactly, yeah. but what we know is he experienced it, and we know he said it, and we know here again he's taken upon just this that, unbearable that, weight. Anybody that has a child, right? I mean, I'm just got goosebumps just all over the place. The idea that 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 would that visual you just presented right there. Can, Oh, just you mean being abandoned by a parent? No, by God actually submitting His Son to, to this. Yeah, Abraham yeah. killing Isaac. Oh, yeah. it's just so yeah. heavy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh no, that is, we can't have this because it doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I think that for shaking to me means that at that one moment in time for Jesus, He was always in communication with the Father. Father's one with him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't for sure. however long. It, 
the body. Like the separation. It was the separation. And he experienced the separation that we have right now. And there's that a, had to be human. Then there's a mystery there, the right? There's a mystery between his humanity, but he's both fully human and fully God. And there's a mystery between this humanity, because as Jesus, fully God, he cannot be separated from the Trinity, because he is God. So there's, it's just stuff we don't fully understand here. Yeah, no, meant to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and what um, Bill's saying, the crushing at that moment... I just lost what I was going to say. Was, uh, oh, oh, you know, potentially worse than the physicality. I mean, I, I'm not saying oh, that that's right, the yeah, case, but sure. it's way worse. Yeah. Can you imagine? Okay, so so have you guys ever felt, and, and I have, where you feel that that feeling with like your child yeah. or a parent or whatever, where you feel that forsaken pain. That's a pain from one person that can be absolutely just dropping your knees, just devastating, yeah. destruction. Think about mm. that times mm. a billion right. or two or three, right? Yeah, exactly. No, that's good. So, so I want to try to, yeah, go ahead. Second Corinthians 5.21, no. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So in in what in what regard did Jesus be sin for sin us or become sin for us? Which is what probably caused right. a lot of what we're seeing the forsaken and that's, part. Yeah, that that's the idea of the scapegoat is that they they touch their head to them and they transfer the sin onto the scapegoat. Yeah. So that to me is is the most brutal part of the cross mm. is that in. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but can you imagine experiencing the sin of all humanity? Right. No, no. Experiencing that. From God. It's a, yeah, yeah like, um, being completely pure, but then experiencing all of the sin. Right. But but the sin from, and this is the thing that's crazy. I think that, that it's so cool to go through this and talk talk through this, and actually, even though we won't ever totally experience it, but to really consider this is so incredible. The pain, the sin, like, oh, the, the uncleanliness, all that other stuff, that's not the pain. It's the, the, the betrayal, the daily, moment to moment, betrayal of unconditional love that God gives us. That is what Christ was able to feel in that moment. That's that pain. So, uh, as we, because I want to spend the last few minutes, um, I will go through the rest of it. In fact, maybe this week you guys can sort of, as we've been doing all this, look at this part here. Um, so let's just think for a moment. We know that we see now what he went through. Okay? So we're seeing, we're getting a really good picture of what he went through. Look at the sacrifice he made for us. And what he took upon, and the punishment, and all that stuff that he did for us. We know in Hebrews that that was all done once for all. So my question is, that was done once for all. What are we today supposed to sacrifice? So now that we see what he's done mm-hmm. for us, we have looked at the complete thing, but this... Christ has done all this for us, took all upon this pain. 
did all the stuff for us, giving us freedom from all that. We know we don't do sacrifices anymore. We know that sacrifice has already been done for our sins. But what are we now as Christians called to sacrifice? Sacrifice ourselves to uh, our earthly ways. Okay, very, very good. Okay, so you think about that. So what's the response to this? There's a good, there's sacrifice one. Ourselves. Sacrifice ourselves. And how do we do that? Say that again. Uh, just uh, you know, move away from our earthly ways, right? So put our focus on God that is, that is our path. Okay, good. And the love of others. Love of others. All right. You asked what do we sacrifice? That was what are question. we, that's right. What are we, based on what he has done, what are we now called? The, the same thing. To sacrifice. The same thing. Our will and our, 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 our obedience. Okay. This is what service to others. Okay, you're service sacrificing. To others. You're not sacrificing service to others. The question is, what do we sacrifice? Sa- what do we sacrifice? Okay. Uh, our other idols, the things that. You know, I'm going to take you guys to one passage, and we'll look at this passage for a few minutes, and we'll close to sort of think about. We looked at all this, and we get into all the stuff of the atonement. We can see all these things that Christ has done. Ultimately. He's done this for us. The question is now, our lives that we live today are to be in response to what he's done for us. Remember how we are to be the servants of the servant? So the servant has done the sacrifice. How do we continue to sacrifice? And Brian was talking about that there, but I want you guys to turn to 1 Peter. The Catholics have this worked out. Well, (laughs) let's see if we have it worked out. We might need to work it out. So I want you guys to turn to 1 Peter. That's in your Bible. That's called the New Testament. First <laughs> uh, Peter. And I want you to again, listen to sort of how you see the parallels here, too, in the languages used. So 1 Peter, um, I want to start at 2, yeah, 2, 4. Okay, and listen to the language here, because again, now we're picking up on that whole sacrificial language again, but now it's related to us in light of this. All right, so notice what it says, says so 2-4, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, see, what we're just, see, here the language of Isaiah 53 even being sort of alluded to or picked up here. Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, note, see how he does that there? Christ, who is the living stone, mm. how are we now to be like that? So it's like, he's the servant, how are we to be servants of this Christ? Everyone follow me there? Like the living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood. So we are still called to be priests. All right. What do priests do? They make sacrifices on behalf of the people. Okay. So holy priesthood to offer Nebuchadnezzar's word here. To offer sacrifices. Whoops. No. Offer what? You guys looking at it? Spiritual. Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We now are to be making sacrifices that are 
in our lives acceptable to God? What do we make that's acceptable to God? What kind of sacrifice do we still... So you think, oh, we don't make sacrifices anymore, but oh, wait a minute. Yes, we do, not for our sins, but in response to what he's done for us on the cross. All right? So then I want you to... So I'll just read this um, because he tells us how we do that. So he goes out, he says, for it stands in Scripture, I'm going to skip all that, come down to 9. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And by the way, this language is coming right from Exodus. This is where God calls, this. God called the people and during the Exodus to be this. This is actually referring directly right back to Exodus, okay? Which they were not, which is why we have all Jesus. A people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, this is the part right here. Listen to how we are to make sacrifices today. Acceptable to God. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Hear that language? Who are we? We're sojourners and exiles, which means what? Foreigners. Right. To abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So there's number one. There's other places in the scripture, but here's one thing. How do we make sacrifices? By what? Abstaining from desires. Abstinence from? Rudely desires. Yeah. The flesh. Which it does. It includes sexual stuff. It includes that sexual sins. That's worldly sins. That's very good. It's all, all that stuff. Anything you lust after. Yep. Exactly. All right. So if you, if you ever thought about that, but when you decide to say, I'm not going to do this, that actually, that I like what your word is, abstain, however, turn away. Whatever that is that you're, the world's consuming you with that, when you do that, you're actually sprinkling stuff into that mercy seat. You're actually making a sacrifice to God because of what all of this that he's done. So you ever wonder, like, what's my motivation? Why I want to stop doing this? Oh my gosh, I don't want to stop doing it. Well, you realize what he's done, all this? And he's saying, now all I want you to do is sacrifice, but just not not doing something. He says something in verse 9 before Uh that. Uh Uh-huh. And that's to uh, proclaim the praise of him. So So that's that's the sacrifice of praise. Good point. Very good point. So one of the things you do is the sacrifice of praise. Very good, Tom. Okay. Then, okay, so beloved, what would we to do? Abstain from passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And then listen to the next one. Sort of interesting. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Is he is he speaking to uh, Jews at this point? He is speaking yeah. to Christians. And just so you know, that word here for Gentiles in the Greek refers 
is used by Peter and Paul to refer to those who do not know Christ. Yeah. It refers to all unbelievers. Unsaved neighbors. Yes, very good. So it doesn't even matter whether it's Jew or Greek at this point. This language here in Greek, and I forget the actual Greek word, is a word consistently used by Paul and Peter in the New Testament to say this is referring to those who in Galatians have not placed their faith in Christ. Okay. Well, the reason I asked the question is the word the good. Well, yeah. Well, and the good and the word good deeds is exactly in contrast. So, so listen to what it says: keep your conduct among unbelievables honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, so when the world looks at us as Christians and they're calling us evildoers. Which they will. Which they <laughs> do. do. What's our response? To make a sacrifice to God by doing what? Good deeds. So when they look at us, ultimately those good deeds shine. So those, in fact, you see it right here, that those good deeds may glorify God. So ultimately, how would they glorify God? By those unbelievers becoming believers. Mm-hmm. It's interesting here it says, um, and to glorify God on the day of visitation, yeah. or on the yep. day of his visiting. Like well, so, I, in fact, I looked that up because I didn't understand that either. So okay. here, that word day of visitation is like most likely referring to the second coming of Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's getting the idea here that we as Christians, as the world looks at us as evildoers, we are actually called, as we live in the world, to not be of the world. So we abstain, like you said, from those things that are of sin, okay? But we don't just abstain. We do good deeds to be the light over and over again to those who are unbelievers. So the hope is that by the time Christ comes again, you have all these people who become believers because they see that even though I called you evil, the world... They've seen us do so much good, they say, I want to be a believer. Yes. The reason I ask about who he was addressing there is because the Hebrew, good, and I think typically as it's used in the Bible, this is something that blew my mind. All right? And you can see the way words, just words that are critical for our understanding, have been perverted over time. Sure. And just like, oh, I feel good. Right. That's this, when, like John and I were talking about. It's like, how did, I, I said, how would you define the word good? And he said, well, the, you know, the, the, the terms of how you, you're something. How you feel. Uh, yeah, how you right. feel. Something feels good. Well, it couldn't be further from right. what. And so just so you know, in this context, good works here is refer, a good deed is referring to what you would typically think of good works. It's the things we're doing. Well, how do we do good works? One of the big ways is, someone said, when you're sacrificing for someone else. It would be when like, you're giving like, us something like righteousness. Is what? It would be more like righteousness. So, so good, like, can be yeah. So hold, yeah. So hold on for a minute. I want to get Daniel. Go ahead, Daniel. Righteousness. Um, I don't know if this is on topic, but isn't it? As human beings, I think a lot of people have a hard time believing that. They deserve God's grace, sure. oh, absolutely. God's love, right. God's forgiveness. So aren't 
the good deeds really to help us satisfy and believe in ourselves that by doing good deeds, then we in turn are more accepting or more deserving of God's grace not coming to us. Yeah, not in this way. You not in this way, right. but in like a psychological way, basically. I think psychologically way. some people will think that, but this is not the good deeds like you think of people being good. Right. This is us being called as Christians. Yeah, to do that good for others. In society, right. to do good for others within society. But does that not help us in the same sense? Those that are plagued with, maybe were brought up in a home where you were told you were horrible, or you were yeah, worthless, sure. or you were cast aside. Or, right. You know, I mean, a lot of people grow up like that, trust me. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pretty much. But I mean, it's, it's kind of all-encompassing. When we do good for others, when we right. go out of our way to sacrifice ourselves for others... In turn, it, it morphs us, it changes us. And by, like Jeff said on Sunday, the more we do good, right. the more we become Christ-like. You know, we, we become basically more accepting, more realizing of his grace and his Yeah, and the world then looks at us yeah. and says, whoa, what's going on? Right. And they want to know, why are you doing that? Right. And why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? For others, this but is for it. God's to fulfill Isaiah 53, yeah. because He has done it for us. Right. And they look and they go, "Why would you sacrifice this for me, or give up this because yeah. you wanted to help me? What, whatever it is." I, I mean, it's like day. you. It's like yeah. It's like Jason, and I know he goes and helps, um, you know, clean up the stuff with the homeless and stuff without I, getting into details, but. That's just what I'm just trying to say. Is it's also right. for us as well. Oh, sure. Yeah, 100%. Sure, yeah. 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 But so, so but hold on, before Anybody else, you guys? Is well, we let me, yeah, don't. Now, hold on. I'm not closing yet. Hold on. I just, hold on. It's, in, it's important to what we're talking about. Just, just hold on. I want to see if anybody else wants to say the same thing. I'll let you have. I know, Jace, it's hard. This will help the conversation. Okay, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll throw something yeah. into the ring. Uh, I just think it's... It's not what you do, but in the spirit that you do it. Bingo. Well said. It's got to be out of the love of Christ and out of the love of the Holy Spirit in Uh you. And that's one of the ways you can get yourself out of the way to do any of this. And then actually you experience peace when someone comes up and calls you an asshole. You go, hey, that's okay. Bless Thank you, you, my son. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I love you, too. I don't know what you're you. Yeah. And you got really? Can you yeah. imagine a world without assholes? That's you know, that's yeah. you know that's 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 You're right. That's a lot of times I am. Yeah, that's close. That's close on that. Anyway, that's it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. He had his word. Yeah. Were you going to say something again? Yeah, okay. Good point. That was me. Right. You, okay, go ahead, Jason. Okay, let's so, <laughs> and then we'll close. So, uh, poor Jason. <laughs> what, what he says right before that, in terms of defining who we are, in terms of yeah, we are we are called to be priests, right? right? Correct. So, and again, this this all all this ties in to again, and why the the word good deeds, not just no, do, yeah. do 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 um, you know Christiany type deeds. What, the heck, what does that mean, definitively, right? So good deeds, define, okay, uh-huh. Torah. That's why I asked you how you spelled Torah. Torah. So it's close. It means good. And there's a masculine and a feminine, and 
this this would be more the, the feminine, I believe. So um, what that means is cleansing, purification. Refers to. And what are you reading this out? This means for which word? Good. Okay. Good. All right. Similar to the word Torah, you said. Well, it's pretty similar. Torah. Refers to a ceremonial cleansing pronounced by a priest on one formerly unclean. Okay? So I think that is relatively specific. Now, that can play out in a yeah, million I don't think, different ways. Right. But in terms of the way we're thinking about that, it's important. What is the good deed ultimately going to result in? It's going to result, like Dan said, in, in our own purification. It's going to result in the purification of the people around but what, us. That's, right. That's so what's key. here? It's, what is it here saying it's going to result in? So our good deeds, I mean, if you want to know what are those good deeds, you, is Peter's talking about here, it's referring to deeds that will what? What? How do you know you're somebody doing else to be saved? That's right. That's right. That's exactly. Right. Okay. The love of Christ. That's that's, that's right. the part to say. Be careful about how you judge what those good deeds are. We're not the ones judging it. It's no. it's no. the irony here. It is the Gentiles, the unbelievers, who are looking at us, who are saying, "Whoa, what are you doing?" Okay, that causes them to say. Well, I want to glorify God. Yeah, anyway, hold on. Have, have you Go. heard about the good news, Grace? <laughs> have you heard? Have I heard? Good news. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all good about. Good news. Be bal- so yeah, if you exactly. are acting in a way to help spread the good news, very good you're way. completely distracting the whole story. Good. Yeah, good point. Good. Very good way of putting it. Very good way of putting it. Smart guys in here. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, how do we well, make somebody... I'll let us close on that one. Yeah, we don't make somebody unclean. Christ does. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I think it's a, con- a nice place to conclude is the, the verse 9. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Have your Bible. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, that is, um, he's instructing us as priests, before he gets to dearly beloved, I beseech you, and then he goes through these to-dos, how to behave in the world. Mm-hmm. Before that, as priests, we are a his own special people, yeah. show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, I think in our culture that's totally underestimated. I'm guilty. Mm-hmm. The guy who says thank you know, who wins in the Olympics and he goes, I, I dedicate this to God, I praise God. Huh. And and all the pundits go, Look at this Christian jerk. But that guy is doing this. Yeah. Very good point. And and, and we don't do it because it's uncool. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. All right. All right. Thanks you guys. <laughs> you all right. Anybody want to close this in prayer? Any Going once, going twice. Jason! Daniel, you want to? I'll do it. Thank you. Dear Lord, thank you for this time just to be in your presence and just to to think about and absorb your word, Lord. We just, uh, so many misgivings in this world and we just uh, really look for the, the divining rod, the definitive and and what it is that you want from each of us, that where you're guiding us, and how you're helping us and gracing us in your divine plan, Lord. We're just so grateful that we can have 
men gathered together that have softened their hearts and opened their minds and poured out their souls to your your great word. And we just are so blessed that we live in a country where we can where we can honor this this tradition and this uh, this gift. And we're grateful for Greg for leading us and grateful for all the men here that that study and and pour out their their hearts. And uh, we're just uh, so thankful to be together in this in this room and at this wonderful church. And we just uh, thank you so much, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.